Culture and Psychology with Tabana. Hello to our Radio Bomb Dot listeners. Uh, this is Dr. Saida Malikafzali speaking. I'm here with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alex Andrade from Tavana Organization. Uh, today we are talking about health, which is an important part of each of our lives. And especially during this time, we know that health becomes even more important when we consider what we are going through. And we know that uh, public health always um, is a huge thing in any societies, in any countries, but more than ever, public health has become important in um, everywhere around the world. So with that, I wanna start our general conversation about health and under that topic, there's so many things we can talk about. For example, telehealth and what is our role as a psychologist in the world of um, health? Um, and especially during this uh, pandemic. So hello to our friends, Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, and we start with the uh, health topic today. Yeah, I think this is a, a great topic, especially with the idea of public health being so different now. Um, it's, you know, it's something, you know, last year, you know, people didn't think, you know, the way that we do now in regards to just how we, you know, manage and interact in the world. It's funny, I'll watch movies and people are, you know, shaking hands and hugging and they're in crowds. And I'm like, that's not right. That's not what you're supposed to do now, you know? And so it almost looks like watching like this futuristic, you know, a movie of like, oh, wow, people can touch each other and people can hug and they can be in crowds. Like, what's that called? It's a baseball game. Oh, okay. People are in these large venues. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange how in such a short time, the idea of, you know, health and public health is so different now. Yeah, you can instantly spot and people say, oh, that was pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just so clear and when you see it on the tv it seems kind of wrong yeah, like yeah. whoa we have that alert i was just talking with somebody recently about this whole idea and the idea of wearing masks in mm -hmm. public whereas now if you don't wear a mask i feel like i get dirty looks like if i'm out at the yeah. you know golfing or at the driving range or out on the bike trail like that. If I'm not wearing a mask, sometimes I feel like people are looking at me in a bad way. But a year ago at this time, if you were wearing a mask, then people are looking at you in a bad way. Like, do you, does that person have TB or, or, yeah, yeah. or are they going to rob me or <laughs> trying to disguise themselves? What, you know, it's, so it's the context really is so critical here. Yeah. It has it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I feel weird going into the bank with a mask on. And especially if I'm wearing a hat, I feel like I'm trying to like conceal my identity. And I'm like, I feel like I have to go into the bank with my hands up and like, I'm not trying to rob the place. I just want my money. That's it. So yeah, it's so different now. And we were sort of judgmental when we saw in the past people with masks in some countries when they were showing a clip, we thought maybe they have pollution, maybe they don't have a healthy environment, that's why they're 
uh, putting masks. But now we realize that uh, such a protective way of not getting sick, and especially in Asian countries, we saw that in the past, that especially during winter, they were wearing masks. And that was the great protection from getting flu or other diseases, especially in winter, when there's closed places. So with the Talking about masks, um, we were watching all the news on 2021 in different channels because we were sitting at home, obviously, not being uh, connected with any different groups of friends or going anywhere. And I noticed that they all, without exception, had masks when they were even presenting, which was really, and they had all different designs of uh, glaring, beautiful masks. But then on the other hand, when they were showing some other places that uh, they were gathered to celebrate the new year, some had masks and some didn't. And that was really surprising. But for the most part, um, you know, people had masks, but still there were gatherings that people didn't have masks. And it, as you said, Daniel, it's just such a surprise when you see people without masks in any crowded situation. Even the handshake too, the handshake, it's one of those things where, uh, especially I find, uh, uh, this is maybe true of, of men and women, but I know, especially when I'm working with older gentlemen, they, as a sign of appreciation or gratitude, you know, they would shake my hand, maybe not say you've really helped me a lot. You know, you maybe just that, that handshake really meant a lot. I mean, that idea sometimes even that your handshake and eye contact, uh, that's something that I grew up in. My dad said, you know, you always shake a man's hand. You always look him in the eye, you know, that that's that way that you convey that respect towards a person. And so, and, and, and again, he's a little bit older. So it's one of those things where it's like, that's how people communicate. And so when that's gone now, like I've, I've had men who are older, like as I'm ending treatment with them, they're like, they, 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 they like struggle, like they want to put their hand out, but then they can't. And they're like, I guess do like an elbow thing. And it's, you can tell it's awkward in that way. And it's, it's interesting how health has taken away some of the ways that we communicate even like you said with the mask two people say well you can't see if somebody's smiling and i've heard this phrase which kind of annoys me you can smile with your eyes it's like okay i don't know what that means really but like you know you can tell when somebody's looking pleasant you know uh, behind the mask but you know it's those things where there's a little bit less that you can read from a person i, I think it's me i've actually have taken pride in being able to be like oh man I really recognize a person if a person has a mask on and I still know who you are. Like, I really know you, you know, like, but most people, no offense if I see you guys and I don't recognize you uh, with a mask on, but uh, <laughs> I, I use that as an excuse. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You had a mask on. I, I didn't know it was you. Like I, I was saying, Hey, it's Daniel. I'm sorry, Daniel. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But have you guys, you can smile. Go ahead. You could smile with your eyes. In the face, there are two sets of muscles. One is a voluntary set of muscles for facial expression. Others involuntary. And it's the involuntary ones that when you have an involuntary smile, it also contracts around the eyes. That's how you can also tell the fake smiles too. Like sometimes if you go mm. to a grocery store and the, the person checking you out, I don't mean like scoping you out, but checking your groceries out with you they will give you the fake smile and it just feels so 
unpleasant. Well, I guess I can't can, tell now because his mask's on. I know. As I say, people can tell when I'm fake smiling. Is that what you're saying, Daniel? I just want to make yeah, well, sure. Uh, you just look like you're not smiling if you're fake smiling. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. In your eyes, if you haven't mm. covered your eyes. So I was going to ask, have you guys ever noticed that some, I mean, or have experienced that people who bring their hands forward or they forget about this COVID thing and you're faced with what do I do? Because when I went for my foot surgery, I was uh, in the room waiting to go to the surgery room. And there was a guy who was doing uh, all this, um, you know, they bring the uh, those um, uh, masks or shoes, uh, those um, things that you wear in the hospital, like gown. And, and then he came and he hold my hands and says, I'm here to help you. And I was just like, I couldn't pull my hand on the one hand. And I was just wondering, why do you do that even in situations like here that it has yeah. to be even more careful with health and stuff? And I was just cut because he just grabbed my hand and he says, I'm here to help you and you're going to be okay. I mean, he was a very nice person and I appreciate it. But immediately after I thought, where's the sanitizer? Yeah, yeah. I think you're... And I, I think you're supposed to say that yeah. you're supposed to yell social distance, six feet, social distance. I think that's what we're supposed to do nowadays. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's you have to be on guard ahead of time. Like, oh, no, COVID. Sorry. Yeah. That's, you know what I've, I've, I, I know I've talked about, I'm transitioning from, you know, working for an organization to having my own private practice and I've had to terminate with or in therapy with patients. And there were a couple who, who, you know, in, in the emotional, you know, process of that, you know, went to shake my hand and, and, and I shook their hand, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, I think in that moment to deny somebody that and being like, you know what, no, I can't after having like worked with this person, I'm thinking one individual, you know, for like two years, they made so much progress, you know, it was it was like life changing, you know, and that was the one way that that person in that moment wanted to express that gratitude. I, I just, I had to. And of course I sanitized my hands right after, you know, and like, oh, oh, wait, hold on, you know? And so, but like, I think it's one of those things where, like you said, you know, when you're in the hospital and that, yeah, of course, you know, that, that was meant as this gesture to maybe re, uh, you know, reaffirm you that you're okay. Um, and, and yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, we got to choose, you know, these kind of battles sometimes, uh, you know, when, when we do it, when do we not, obviously, more often not doing it probably than, than doing that. But yeah, I think there's, there's, there's gotta be, I mean, we're human where there's going to be some exceptions. There's going to be some leeways. There's going to be some, you know, failings in that way, but it doesn't have to, to mean that, you know, we're doomed in that way. I think that's, I think that'd be a scary point. If we start to say never, if we start to say, I'm never touching somebody, I'm never shaking your hand, you know, or if you do, I'm going to tell you, you know, stay away from me, you know, social distance, social distance, you know, and so, yeah. I don't, yeah, Alex, I don't think that was wrong or bad to shake their hand. I think that was a normal and a good thing. And the, you know, the reality is this, we have to be careful during this time. We have to try to keep ourselves safe, but there is going to be contact at times 
And guess what? We wash up. Yeah. yeah. What we know is that soap and water does a wonderful yeah. job. Of, and don't touch your face. Yeah. yeah. Or as my dad always touch say, don't face. or don't and don't touch your eyes. Also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I the, the psychology of this health thing is amazing nowadays. We were gathered in one of our friends' backyard, and all with distance. Everybody had masks given in the backyard. But my friend's husband was sitting and I bent to say something to him. He was like electrical light had come to him. He, he just all of a sudden turned back and and it was so... Did you cough on to him? <laughs> no, because he's an older guy and, you know, respect and all that. But I honestly, it was just as like I bent to say something. I can't even remember what I was going to say, but he just went out of his seat. <laughs> I almost wanted to say, hey, we both have masks and we yeah. are out. But the distance, the social distance meant a lot to him because mm. I was a little too close to him to say something. And I couldn't say it because I thought it's not loud enough for him to hear. So I came closer. <laughs> so the psychology of this healthy show now, it's um, amazing. We've experienced so many different things with different people. Some people seem even careless. You know, you see them that they don't even worried. They're fine. They always say, no, nothing's going to happen. And then they're so many other people who go to extreme and some people are in between they're just really taking care of the health issue but they're cautious and they're not that worried with that we're going to give a break and come back to continue our conversation about health uh, dr rockers do you want to say something in farsi Nivandigan Aziz Radio Bamdad. So I, uh, the rest of it. Uh, I'll let you do the rest. I'll, I'll, I'll do it maybe next time. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Alex, I thought you might pick it up there. You can say salam. Salam. Yeah, salam. I, I got that. That one, I got that down. Salam. Nivandigan Aziz Radio Bamdad. Ham tu kishanidin, Dr. Rockers. چیزی که یاد گرفته همون شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بام داده و دکتر اندراده هم سلام کرد به شما ما از شرکت توانا هستیم در خدمتون امروز و راجع به مسائل بهداشت عمومی سلامتی و رعایت کاری که باید بکنیم در دوران مخصوصا پندمیک این مسئله کرونا برمیگردیم و باهاتون ادامه صحبت رو در رابطه با مسائل سلامتی و بهداشتی ادامه میدیم We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade. This is Dr. Malik Afsali speaking. Uh, we started with uh, the topic of health and we thought there are some uh, 
subtopic under health. So I wanted to talk about uh, telehealth because uh, 2020 was all about telehealth as far as we have experienced because uh, the in-person became more dangerous and um, a lot of uh, other issues with in-person communication. So many people that I know from different organizations, from different health organizations even, they started seeing their patients uh, and doing their work from home or from wherever they were, but um, online. So that became sort of... Um, ordinary nowadays, um, knowing that some people are working from home or from wherever they are, but they're not in person with their co-workers or they're not in person with their patients, uh, as well as psychologists. I know um, Dr. Andrade and I know Dr. Rockers, you both do your work um, online. And I know that we, even when we get together, we do most of our work um, online. So telecommunication um, has become the major part of everyone's communication. And uh, I want to talk about the telehealth a little bit for 2021 as well. Uh, yeah, I'm curious along those lines, how, how has it been for you guys? How, how is that transition? Did it feel like a transition? Have you, have you done this before? What was that like for, for you? For Do you mean for telehealth? Very... Yeah, yeah. For me, it was okay because I, uh, in my work, I was used to online uh, communication way before that. And even my other profession from long time ago, we were using Google Hangout. Uh, we were using um, Meet. To, I, I guess it was uh, to Meet or Meet. Uh, there were different um, platform that we were using and zoom was for years we were using mm. uh, and uh, in the past with some of my patients i did google hangout so for me it was very easy and comfortable and i actually now feel like um, even if the situation gets back to normal i like at least to have half and half you know those that they really need of in person versus those that are okay to do telecommunication with I, I, before this COVID happened, I really didn't much. I don't enjoy being on that much. So I thought uh, it's a bunch of crap and I didn't like it and I didn't want to do it. Sometimes I, and I do work for volunteer nonprofit organizations and sometimes for the board meetings, people would say, Hey, can we just do a, like a zoom or a phone in? And I was very negative about the whole thing. I never wanted people to do that. I wanted in person. I always wanted all mine to be in person. And then the COVID thing happened and I lost my lease at where I was, had my office. And like within one week, I switched to doing all telehealth. And you know what? I think it's great. I really like it a lot. I it's, I, what I don't like is when the technology doesn't work, which sometimes there's garbled or, you know, the Zoom part doesn't work and we just have to do a telephone thing. But I really think it's this thing. This has accelerated the online type of telehealth of business in a way that it was probably going to happen anyway. And looking farther forward, when this is probably like 50, 100 years, when we do a lot of space travel, mm -hmm. that's how a lot of that work was. Just like, dangerous, like uh, you know, uh, for example, electrical cars and now soon. 
uh, no driver, uh, you know, automatic cars that takes you places without driver. I mean, I'm sure a lot of huge changes are on the horizon. And I think this telecommunication in general all over the world has become um, common now. So 2021, I believe it's going to be uh, mostly online. Um, and I hear schools are deciding to continue with online, um, maybe even for next year, uh, depending on the situation. So I feel like this has changed the way we communicate in a major part. Um, so, you know, many places now are empty, the um, offices, but on the other hand, uh, you know, people are looking for homes that are more convenient to have their offices at home. So the whole situation with personal life and career life has changed by telecommunication. Yeah, it's so interesting that way. Yeah, in such a short time, yeah. A good thing, a way to think about it is if you've watched any any of the period television pieces like Downton Abbey, where they are, it is occurring at the time that electricity or telephones are coming into being. And it's funny to see how some of those attitudes towards electricity or telephones they were like, oh, I don't know. That's it's it's a strange mm -hmm. power, and it could do something bad to us. Or I, you know, they were very hands off and very fearful of it. And in the same way, we probably are going to be that way about robot robotics, self driving cars, telehealth. That those sorts of the fears and concerns that we have in fifty years will seem very quaint to people, mm -hmm. very cute, and they'll say. Be living in <laughs> Alex, Alex can send a message to the other world if there is any connection. I, I think you guys will both be alive in 50 years. Okay. I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, I think modern medicine will progress. Well, Keep maybe us alive. parts of our body is uh, artificial. Uh, so I don't know if it's worth living. <laughs> But anyways, talking about uh, telehealth, Alex, uh, you tell us, because I know you recently have your office and you also do telehealth. So tell us, how is it for you? Yeah, well, actually, it's kind of similar to Daniel. Um, well, maybe a little different. I, I, I didn't really have, I never, I've had meetings via telehealth, but I was never big on them. I was always really big in person. Um, I think I, I'm, I always tell people I'm so much better in person. Um, versus like via phone even, or even texting and, and even this, but in a very short amount of time, uh, it was like, well, this, this is what we need to do. And I've been amazed by how quickly it has become the norm and how people have adapted to it. Uh, I mean, after I, I've done phone sessions, therapy phone sessions before in the past and, you know, a lot of uh, criticism of doing things on the phone is that you lose something. You don't get to see the person, uh, there's safety issues as far as making sure they're in a safe, secure place, or if they do experience some like suicidal ideation that you can get them the help that they need. But there was just, I mean, a lot of times you think of psychology and the training that goes into it, it's you're sitting across from a person speaking to them in, in a room that is kind of this, this kind of sacred space that, you know, it's just the two of you in here and you can talk about anything and it's not going to leave this room. 
And so to, to break down that wall and to extend it all the way to that person's home and their space, and you're in a whole different space and using, uh, you know, this, this, uh, you know, telehealth as a medium has been so different in that way. But I found that, you know, once doing it, like it, you're not losing much. I mean, if anything, you know, you're gaining the opportunity to be able to meet with that person versus not meeting with them at all. And so for me, it's been just it's, it's what has to happen right now. It's, it's how we have to evolve, but it's interesting too. Cause like personally, uh, you know, besides this, I should say, cause I do like to get with you guys, uh, via, via telehealth or via zoom in that way, there've been some like, uh, mixers and like meetings that, uh, the different associations have been involved with have had, and I don't want to go, I don't want to do that. Cause it's like, that's not how I want to mingle. That's not how I mingle. And so I'm able to do it like versus for, you know, for, for telehealth, for therapy uh, meetings for us meeting, but there's somewhere it's like, if it's like a social emphasis, it's like, I'd rather not do it. I just, I don't know. There's this part of me. And I think it's that opposition, like you were describing Daniel, that oppositional part of me, that's just like, no, that doesn't really feel like connecting. So I don't want to do it. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing, you know, kind of the social distancing from, you know, you know, six feet apart, wearing the mask, uh, just to be safe. Um, you know, if that, and at other times just kind of foregoing that, but yeah, as, as this year continues, yeah, I'm, I might have to, I might have to get with it as far as, uh, you know, being more social uh, online. I think l- luckily right now I can, I can still fight it. Um, hopefully the vaccine, uh, you know, allows us to, to not have to say, this is how life is forever. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep fighting that for a little while, at least on the social side of things, but no, as far as being able to provide services and, and even connect with, you know, you and other meetings and things like that. Yeah. That's what, that's, that's what we need to do. That's how we can connect. Hey. Pros and cons. Uh, Daniel, did you want to say something? Well, I, yeah, I agree. I feel the same about the social mixers. I don't have a big interest in doing it. It's kind of silly to me to get a glass of wine and look at my computer and pretend I'm connecting with other people. And that, and I know that sounds all sounds very negative, but here's the other way to think about it. I think what we're doing is we're comparing this with being in person at a social event. And what if instead we compare this with having a beer and watching TV and just that it's more personal than watching TV because you are seeing people that you know. And when we compare it, when I compare it in that way, to me, it's like, oh, yeah, actually, that is even better. So in that comparison, it becomes better to me. Very optimistic of you, Daniel. I like it. I like it. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> I was going to say there has uh, pros and cons. The pros, uh, you don't have to drive at six o'clock at night in the traffic to get to a meeting, like, for example, the psychological association that uh, three of us have the experience of meeting at seven o'clock. You know, Daniel, you were the president and you know that you had to be there at certain time, even if nobody was there, you had to be there. But I remember that, um, you know, it seems like far away from what we were doing, but driving late 6, 630, where 
you know, everybody is coming back from work, getting to that place and then leaving at nine o'clock, um, you know, getting back home. I mean, all of that now is so convenient. You just, uh, you know, sit by the computer, you take care of the business, but also, um, so the traffic, the, you know, evening meetings, um, some of those are much easier. But also, I was going to say the cons are, especially for psychologists, you know, so when bruises are in somebody's bodies, or when people behind the scene that you don't see are listening to your conversation, I mean, there are some concerns. Um, one of the days I was talking to one of the patients and somebody started coming and moving their head into the screen to see me. And uh, it was just interesting. I checked and this, this is a young guy, but that was his father. He wanted to see how do I look? You know what I mean? It's like, it's so uh, it's concerning that who is listening, um, who is there to listen to what the other person is saying? All of that is concerned. So there are some pros and cons. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, we have to adapt to some of those. And yeah, sometimes it's just like therapy in of itself. As therapists, sometimes we have to teach people how to engage in that process. And so, um, you know, and while still being adaptable ourselves. And so we would typically say, you know, you don't have family in your individual therapy meeting. But then again, sometimes it is helpful to have family. And that can be something that, you know, is part of the treatment. Um, and so it allows that person to feel even more connected in that way. Like, oh, yeah, you know, my parent wanted to say hi. And I, I have that sometimes with patients, their, their kids want to say hi, like they, they see that, you know, dad meets with this person and their kid wants to say hi. And, and it's one of those things where as a primary care psychologist, I've always been like, let's welcome the family. Let's incorporate them in a way where traditionally thinking more like individual, it's like, no, like, you know, that, that, that person's not supposed to be there. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things, how you adapt to that and even how, you know, what you can get from that. It's all, it's all information. That's how, how I tend to look at it sometimes. Yeah. You know? I also make a comment that you guys said that so different when you have a class in front of the social uh, virtual life, but um, I don't want to generalize, but I want to say this is a men thing mostly mm. because women enjoy, you know, like for example, a couple of mixers uh, meetings that we had, or specifically there was one night that we had, um, I can't remember what was the program. Neither one of you showed up. But it was, it was, <laughs> it was yeah, of course, neither one of us showed up. Yeah, nice cut right on the it air was, there. It was just like maybe one or two men psychologists, the rest were all women. So that's the difference. And now we are to our second break. We come back and we continue our conversation about health. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه تازه رادیواتون رو باز کردین و صدای ما رو میشنوین ما به زبان انگلیسی روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه برنامه روانشناسی داریم و خوشحال هستیم که شنوندگانی در سراسر دنیا که به ما گوش میدن هستن که ترجیح میدن این برنامه رو به زبان انگلیسی بشنون اگر شما هم در منزل کسی هست که علاقمند هست این برنامه رو که برنامه های متنوعی در تاپیک های مختلف روانشناسی به زبان انگلیسی ترجیح میدن بشنون خواهش میکنم روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه ازشون دعوت کنین از ساعت 12 تا 1 بعد از ظهر به برنامه ما 
توجه کنم برمیگردیم و در خدمتون هستیم در رابطه با سلامتی و در مورد بهداشت بهداشت عمومی We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade talking about health and uh, also public health and the components of health and partly telecommunication that we talked about. Now I would like to bring our conversation to the role of a psychology, a psychologist or as a whole, the role of psychology uh, in public health. How can we as psychologists be a big part of this public health? That is a very good question. And I think it's one a lot of people have struggled with for a long time. Part of it, I think, has to do with the, what role we have in terms of, do you mean public health in the physical sense? Or do you mean public health in like having depression, anxiety? Sense? What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. The psychological pulse part of public health, because the way I was picturing was, you know, we hear so much about washing hands, distancing, wearing masks, but we don't hear so much the science of psychology, like what should we do? It becomes a public health, part of public health, that we talk about depression, as much as we talk about washing hands, we talk about Uh, emotions, as, as much as we talk about how physically we keep ourselves healthy, what can we do that this psychological part of a human being becomes as much as physical part that is discussed generally on media becomes ordinary to speak about that and make people aware of how they can deal with some of these issues. Um, I, I feel like we don't speak about these things enough in public. I think uh, one question that it brings up for me is how to reduce the stigma of psychology. And when I say psychology, I'm thinking of mental health also. I think there's an important, I think that's an important point that there's a lot of stigma about it and how do we get beyond that? I think, I think the way we get beyond that is by doing things like this, having a, a radio program and bringing it, normalizing it for a lot of people. I think that is such a critical piece. When you don't grow up around it and you don't know much about it, what we don't know about, we fear. So it's just like what we were talking about a little bit ago, right? That when electricity came into being and telephones came into being, people didn't know about it. They didn't understand it. What they don't understand, they fear and um, generally push it away and create a lot of superstitions and kind of strange beliefs about it. I like that question, Saide, because it's something that I, I kind of always think about and, and in treatment in general, 
but obviously too, when something big happens in the world, you know, what is our role as psychologists to, you know, at this time to help people adapt to what's going on in the world and how that individual makes sense of it. But, you know, it's, it's shifting our idea of the world and what's normal is shifting. And so how do we support people and what stance do we take in trying to help a person kind of acclimate to this new norm, if you will. Uh, it, it, it raises uh, in my mind the question of, you know, whose values are you trying to encourage through therapy? Are you trying to encourage the patient's values? Are you trying to encourage societal values? Are you trying to encourage your values? And I think it's a balance between all of those because, you know, you don't want that person to just be, you know, somebody who adheres to all of the, you know, norms of society and loses their sense of identity and individuality. You don't want them to, you know, just kind of look for you for guidance. So you wouldn't want it to be just your value. You know, what if some of their values or some of the ways that they see the world are what causes some of the, the struggle that they have that brought them into treatment? So you might want to align them more with the dominant values and views. And so when the world changes such as it has, you know, what part do us as psychologists have in helping people acclimate to the new world? And it's, it's such a, I think it's, it's a bigger question than there is an answer in that because it's, you know, is it, I guess you could even ask the question, is it our responsibility or are we the ones to help people through that? And I think a lot of times, you know, people are, struggling to to try to find those answers and they don't know where to go it's like a like yesterday uh, as we were talking about happiness who said that we're the authorities on happiness you know what if what if it's like well no that's maybe more of a religious kind of uh, uh, kind of um, topic or what if that's related more to you know health you know as far as you know vitamin d and the things that your body needs in order to be healthy hence maybe that what's induces happiness or or maybe it's you know family focusing more on that maybe that's happiness so who are we as psychologists and what role do we play and, and i think it's it's one of those things where whether we choose to be that in that role we are we are and and we're having to try to to navigate that in a way that's helping people i think and and, and trying to support them as they're for themselves trying to figure out you know what how do we make sense of this new world? Well, the other, there's the other point too of we can offer things, but we cannot force things. Sure. We psychology. I think some in some countries in history, some places, some dictators have used psychology in a negative way, and then it gets some bad names. So it can't be enforced on people, but we can offer things. I think well, that's an important one. distinction. Sorry, did you? No, go ahead. I was just going to say, on the other hand, there are countries that, uh, for example, there was a research in Romania about people who had um, schizophrenia in that country, and they noticed that um, it was a worldwide, I remember this happened a few years ago, uh, when I was taking one of my classes, I remember we had a conversation about that, one of our professors was talking about the the, the People who had um, schizophrenia in Romania did so much better than other countries, the schizophrenia, people with the schizophrenia in other countries. And the reason was that the entire society thinks 
of them as ordinary people. They don't feel like they have something different. So they treat them like ordinary people. They work with them like ordinary people. They, they go to places, they gather in places and people treat them ordinarily like they treat anybody. And they realized uh, that that was the major reason the people with this issue they're doing so much better than people with schizophrenia in other countries. And it was very interesting to me at that point, because even we watch a clip, and I remember the faces of some of these people, that they were, uh, there was a village in a, in a part of the country that these people were just dealing with other villagers and nobody even thought they're different. They were just, you know, thinking, that's their attitude or that's their personality or they didn't know what's going on and these people were doing better than any of these other people in other countries. So I was just going to say, like you said, in one country, the dictatorship or whatever was the history that you were talking about, it can be the opposite too. And we know that the treatment of, of some of these people with these issues, the more you're casual and you work with them ordinarily, uh, they turned out to be better rather than putting them in, in um, you know, specific treatment and mental hospitals or all of those things that maybe some extremes need that. But I mean, the way we treat them, the way we work with them also is so important. And also we know that early trauma by research uh, changes that actually leads to adulthood, um, some health issues, uh, and research shows that as well. So I'm just thinking um, if the psychology, science of psychology becomes like science of medical field, other medical field, um, if people understand that there are some hormones change in um, you know, the chemistry of the brain, or they become more familiar with what's going on. If someone has depression or severe depression, it's not because that is that person's fault. It's because of the chemistry of the brain. It's, it's something that, as Alex, you mentioned, something to separate, you know, I'm not the depression. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it happened to me based on some you know, hormonal thing or chemistry of my brain. And I, when I talked about the psychology of um, the science of psychology become more public, part of public health is to talk about these things, you know, so people understand more about the hormones, about the chemistry of the brain, about, you know, these things are not anything negative about you, but you have some issues that, you know, maybe educate public that is not a negative thing. You know what I mean? Basically, I wanted to talk about that. Are you thinking of certain ways of educating public? What, tell me what. Um, I was just thinking more like when this pandemic came, it just brought me to the thinking of um, public health in regards to the role of psychologists and what can we do? Because these are all, um, they come together as a result. If something, if the health issue comes, a physical health, there's a psychological part 
um, attached to it as well. We know that when we have pain, maybe sadness comes with pain. We know maybe anger comes with pain. Maybe if we have some health issues, there's so many psychology, psychological part that is attached to those physical health. Those are the things I wanted to really open up and talk about it because when the pandemic uh, happened, we, we the whole media all the time, they were talking about how we can protect ourselves health-wise, what we can do and what we can't do. But it wasn't much about the psychological, psychological part of that. The only thing we heard sometimes in American Psychological Association um, journals or uh, some sort of maybe touches here and there in the media that uh, the, the um, mental health issues have raised and now psychologists are so busy taking care of the patients. Um, we know the suicide cell ideation went up, we know. So when you think about every component of every society from economy, from uh, medical health, from education, anything at the end, because it covers a human being as a whole, whether you're dealing with your children, your parents, your older parents, it all comes back to the psychology part of it too. So I think psychology is part of everything. If economical situation of a family goes down, the psychological part becomes a huge piece in that family situation. If a health issue happens to a family, the whole family starts having some sort of, you know, issues they go through. So I feel like all of that combination or separation of each one, if you look at it, at the end, you come with the psychological part of it that people need to know more. So those were things that was in my head when I said, let's talk about the psychological part of this. And I find along those lines, uh, my experience at least has been that psychology has had to invite itself to the table. And so I think that's what we need to do. And that's why, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, this is why we have this, this, this broadcast. Do we have to bring, you know, all of these topics to the table from a psychological perspective, because my experience in primary care, which is working in a medical setting, you know, a lot of times there'd be medical doctors, you know, and patients as well, hesitant to say, oh, you know, uh, for a psychologist, why do we need a psychologist here? You know, what value does that have? But once there was a need for it, then they realized, oh, wait, this is a great resource. We need to be thinking on this level as well. So with public health, yeah, I totally agree. I think we have to look at, you know, what is the psychological aspect of that in this, you know, currently evolving world where it's very different than it used to be. And so, yeah, and I think it's going to be an ongoing question and, and something I know that as an organization, as Tavana, we're probably looking at how can we further help individuals? How can we be continuously accessible um, you know, I'm always interested. That's what I always love about psychology in general. We can do so many things with this. Like I said, I've worked in a medical office. I've, you know, I've done presentations. I've done trainings. I've taught. I mean, you know, as I day worked at, you know, a school. I mean, so it's one of those things where, you know, uh, we can all, we can, we can, you know, find those places where we can introduce psychology. And so we may not be seen as, okay, you know, what is the psychological aspect of this? 
until we raise that question. Yeah. And part of the problem too, is that a lot of people, we're dealing with something that's not necessarily tangible that much. And I think a good number of people consider themselves expert on psychology because they are, have a consciousness, you know, like I know how to handle what's going on or I know what I'm feeling or mm-hmm. I know what I'm thinking, that sort of a thing. But I think on a larger sense, your question really is how can we affect, how can we make cultural change? How can we change the culture in some way so that psychology and its benefits, the things that we can offer are more readily accepted and understood? How are they better known? That's a, that's a great question. It's a big question. And, and Alex, to what you said, psychology can do so many things and that's both good and that's not good in the sense of it becomes hard to know, well, what is the thing to be offered? Was there so many things like we've all talked about? Uh, you know, every, every physical medical condition brings with it certain psychological that would be treated, whether it's chronic pain, whether it's bariatric surgery, whether it's anything, sports medicine. You see all those, you saw, see all those in primary care treatment, I'm sure. It's just everything brings with it. So there's always, there's something to be done. And it's almost like it's so big. It's almost too big to be able to advertise or say, this is this. There's so many, so much that we could do. Sure. We um, actually got to the end of our program. We give a short break. We come back and... um and our today's program شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من به اتفاق همکارانم دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندرادی از شرکت توانا در خدمتون هستیم و اگه صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین و رادیوها رو تازه باز کردین علتش اینه که ما روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه برنامه روانشناسی در رادیو بامداد داریم که به زبان انگلیسی است و از ساعت دوازده تا یکی بعد از ظهر پخش میشه خواهش میکنم اگه کسانی هستن در منزل یا میشناسین که ممکنه از برنامه ما استفاده کنن ازشون دعوت کنین روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه برنامه ما رو به زبان انگلیسی گوش بدن برمیگردیم و به برنامهمون در مورد سلامتی و بهداشت عمومی پایان میدیم We are back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade um, at Radio Bomb.Dot. And uh, the entire time today, we've been talking about health in general. And we talked about telehealth. We talked about the role of psychology in public health. And now we are ending our program with each of us saying something as a last statement of the day. We also talked about how Daniel and I don't like to socialize via telehealth too. I think that's important to remind everybody of we are very antisocial actually why did, that, uh, that why event, are you bringing me into this now oh at that event that we didn't attend we oh. were actually attending an event via telehealth and uh, i'm trying to give us an out it's not oh, yeah working. yeah yeah there we go see we were being social I knew by, there was a it was the it was the anti-social meeting that we were attending and so yeah <laughs> actually two meetings and that we thought we could make the third meeting with you Day, but we, that's I, what happened that the, those anti-social meetings there they're so popular yeah yeah no. <laughs> very sorry 
Actually, that may have a different uh, understanding and interpretation because I think you're more social. That's why you want to be in person. Oh. Some people, uh, you know, want to get away from really there social we go. part of the, the life and they <laughs> handle it by me. I'm getting some free therapy here. I'm getting show nice. part of your, you know, partly your partner and, and uh, <laughs> taking your side. There we go. So, and that's, and, and I say that because that's, that's my, my recommendation to listeners. Try, just try. If you're not open to it, just try. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do that as those opportunities present themselves because yeah, again, the idea we want to be as, as healthy and as safe as we can be. So uh, yeah, just try to go a little bit out of the side of your comfort zone when it comes to these new things, whether it's being social as we've talked about today, or, you know, attending your medical appointments or connecting with family. Um, it's important to, uh, you know, be able to do those things that we need to do in the world. And if this is just one more tool to be able to do those things. My message is quite similar, but coming from slightly angle. I do believe I probably won't be alive in 50 years, but that <laughs> does not change the important fact that people 50 years from now will look back on what was happening now and the fear people had about telemedicine and robotics and what have you and think it's very quaint. So my message is the same as yours, Alex. Would, yeah, give it a try. Don't be like me where I thought it was a bunch of crap. I wasn't going to do it. I think give it a try. It's well worth it. I found the benefit of it. I just, I just, I just want to say, I just put my calendar real quick, 50 years from today. So that way in 50 years, I'm going to remind you, Daniel, that uh, you said this today. So yeah, that's in my calendar. Would, um, what should I say in 50 years, do you think? Like, Well, as we continue to record up until 50 years from now, we'll, we'll revisit that, that topic at, at our, our 50 years fair, from now recording. Fair yes. Sorry, right. I interrupted you. No, no, no. I was just going to say within the last 10 years, things have changed so much. I'm going to be amazed what's going to happen in 50 years, but I'm just thinking... I'm not going to be there. I don't know about Dan. You may be living, Alex, so you somehow can can experience that. But anyways, I just want to say, you know, it's so important to pay attention to what's going on in the world, specifically because we talked about telehealth. There are some older generation that are apprehensive of trying. And I want to really recommend get into it as soon as you can, because the more you stay away from it, the more it becomes um, harder. And the harder it gets, the more it becomes uh, difficult. So get into it, learn it, because if you need to download the program to be online, try to do that and get used to working online, because this is going to be a big part of future. So um, I really want to recommend that. And if you guys don't have anything to say, I want to say goodbye to our listeners. So Thank you again, Dr. Andrade. Thank you, Dr. Rockers, my dear friends from Tavana organization. We come back next week and we, we um, talk about um, other psychological issues. So goodbye to our listener. <laughs> یه تلایی پشت سهرا های 
خالی خونه ماست اون بره آب اون بره موجای بیتا پشت جنگل های سرفه توی رویاست توی خواب پشت اقیا نوس آبی پشت باقا یه گلابی اون بره با قای انگور پشت کندو های زنبور خونه ما پشت ابراز برای دلتنگی ماست ته جاده های خیسه پشت بارون پشت دریاست خونه ما قصه داره آلبالو و پسته داره پشت خنده ها یه گرمش آدمای خسته داره خونه ما شادی داره توی حوزاش ماهی داره کوچه تو بازی داره گربه های نازی داره خونه ما گرم و سمیمی رو دیوار و شکسای قدیمی عکس بازی توی ایفو لب دریا تو تابستون عکس اون رو سیر بارو با یه بغز و یه چمتون رفتن از پیش آدمای نازنین و مهربون پشت دشتا یه تلایی پشت سهرا آی خالی خونه ماست اون بره آب اون بره موجای بیتا پشت جنگل آی زربه توی رویاست توی یه 